Welcome to Faith at Work. I'm Colonel Grant, and today's podcast will feature the 2009 High Tech Prayer Breakfast in the D.C. metro area where Elisa Kafferke was the speaker. Thank you, Carl. Wow. Um, this is very humbling, getting up in front of so many people who I consider peers and colleagues, and I want to open this up. More than anything, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to, and I hate this word, proselytize. My goal here is not to say my way of thinking and my choice in life is the choice that everybody should have, although I do think that everyone should make this choice. Um, But that's just me speaking. Um, More than anything, I just hope that you're moved by my story, and it's all true. God has done some great work in my life. And God has done some great work in all of our lives. And if we just take the time to notice it, I think that you'll be surprised how much God loves you if you just pay attention. So I'm going to start out just because Jerry um, from the Redskins started out with the Redskins. Um, I can't show it to you because it's too small. But the relevance is I have a a very good friend that lives up in New York, and he's a Jets fan, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But he is not a fan of the Redskins, and he he has a lot of fun with making fun of us. And so we've been friends with Larry for a long time. So there were years where he didn't make so much fun of us. And then in the last couple years, he's had a little bit more fun with us. But, I mean, he's a Jets fan. What has he got going on, right? (laughs) But he sent me this picture, and I thought it was from a church up in New York City, but I actually did the research. Um, it, It was from a church down here. But it was a sign outside of a church that says... God still loves the Redskins. Think about how much he loves you. (laughs) And this was before we won the game on Sunday. So I want you to think about that. So who am I and and why am I here and and why am I so bold to get up in front of this group? I'll tell you, I, I don't know why I'm here other than I truly believe this is God ordained. Carl called me last spring and asked me whether I would consider being the speaker at this breakfast, and I've been a host for many years, and I was floored. And so I said to Carl, I go, Carl, I always saw the high-tech breakfast as a way for, you know, lions of the industry, industry titans, people who we've looked up to, that we've admired, that people you want to emulate have come up and spoken in front of this group and talked about how God has worked in their own lives. And there's so much validation that comes with that. I'm like, Carl, why me? I'm a sales rep. You know, I've I've had the titles and then I've not had the titles, but I'm, I'm, I'm just a little sales rep in a really big company. And so Carl says, well, Elisa, we wanted to try something new and different this year. That's certainly something new and different. And he goes... And no disrespect, man. He said, sometimes when CEOs get up and speak, they speak like CEOs. And we wanted to go with something a little bit different. And I can honestly tell you, no one has ever accused me of sounding like a CEO. (laughs) So the more I thought about it, the more I thought, why not me? So today I'm just going to share a little bit about my past history and then really more about what's going on now and how God is working in my life. I'm a very blessed person, and so are all of you. Um, I'm a local gal. I went to Fairfax County Public Schools, so success story, I think. 
I went to Virginia Tech, which I believe is the greatest school in Virginia. But I have a couple of very dear UVA friends sitting at my table, so I'm not going to say anything more. Um, and I've always been from around this area. Um, as soon as I graduated from college, I went to work for a Beltway Bandit. And I say that with no disrespect at all, no malice. Um, worked for an 8A company. Spent, quite, spent a couple years there, and that's where I learned that the money is where the software. You know, software is where the money is. So back then, 20 years ago, that was my biggest focus, was where can I make the most money in the shortest period of time with the skills that I have. And investment banking wasn't really my cup of tea, so I went into the high-tech sales market, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, I've worked at Oracle, where um, I had my first child, Nick, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Nick. Um, that was a tough time, being one of the first sales reps ever at Oracle to get pregnant. I think that you're not supposed to have time to do that. Um, I worked at Sybase, and then after working for those bigger companies, I really caught the bug for startups. And I was very blessed to be the first federal person at Tivoli, which if you guys are familiar with the market, Tivoli has had a great run, is now an IBM company. And then I was the first sales rep at a company called Active Software, which also had a successful IPO. And... Um, then was bought by Web Methods. And over time, I started realizing all of my dreams. I mean, all I ever wanted was, truly, this is such a small dream, right? I wanted to have enough money in the bank that I never had to balance my checkbook. <laughs> and um, that's, that's no small matter, because my husband has made it very clear, our credit is sterling, and it will remain that way. <laughs> so once I started making the money and achieving the goals, I, I didn't really understand what more there was out there. And so I read a book called Atlas Shrugged. And I don't know if any of you all have read it. Profoundly changed my life. I highly recommend it. However, if you're going to choose between big books and you have to choose between Atlas Shrugged and the Bible, I'm going to say go with the Bible, but I think you should read both. But after I read Atlas Shrugged, and if you understand anything about the objectivist philosophy, it's true libertarianism. It's really no sense of authority other than the exaltation of man, which I thought was really cool. And then my husband and another friend of mine um, were like, Elisa, how can you be so caught up in this philosophy of objectivism that is so hostile to the idea of a god? And Ayn Rand is very hostile to God. She thinks of religion as mysticism and it's something for the weak. So I set out to prove, no, they're not mutually exclusive. I can believe in God, and I can be an objectivist. My friend Oslo said, Elisa, you got to read the Bible. I dare you to read the Bible. And so this was eight years ago, and I had a guy working with me, Pat Dawson, who recommended a great study Bible for me. And I started reading the Bible, started at page one. Got through the Old Testament. Now, being Jewish, I was pretty familiar with the Old Testament. We Jewish people are pretty familiar with war and suffering, um, but there wasn't a whole lot of um, forgiveness and mercy in the Old Testament. And then I got to the book of Matthew, which is the first of the Gospels and the beginning of the New Testament. And you have to keep in mind, I'm Jewish. I mean, what did I know from this Jesus guy, right? I had no idea. 
Um, so I'm reading the book like one reads a Stephen King novel. I mean, it was awesome. There's good guys and there's bad guys and there's great stories. There's men and women that are so real. And it is real. It's um, actually got into an argument with one of my son's teachers about whether the Bible was nonfiction or fiction. And I'm here to tell you as a witness that it's definitely nonfiction. And it's important to remember that because the people that you read about in the Bible, they've dealt with situations. There's nothing new under the sun, right? If you read the Bible, you're going to find someone that has struggled with some of the same struggles that you've had or that you're having. And so that's why I recommend it more than anything, because it is relevant. It is a living, breathing, it's the living, breathing word of God. And so as you hear me speak today, understand that the Elisa that's up here now is very different than the Elisa you might have known 20 years ago. And what makes me so different is I see the world through the lens of the holy word of God rather than the lens of this world. And I'm going to tell you why that's important, because life is hard. So I told you a little bit about my background. I worked for these companies, and I'm not going to brag, but I'm going to say that I made some money, and we were very comfortable, and I'd always dreamed of living in Great Falls, and we moved to Great Falls, and everything was going perfect in my life. So that's not usually how you hear about people coming to the Lord, right? You usually hear about someone has a struggle or they're seeking. I mean, I truly read the Bible on a dare. And in Matthew 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, God came down from heaven to me, and I'm here to give this testimony, to tell me, Elisa, I love you, and Jesus Christ is my son, and everything is going to be all right. But he gave me a little caveat. He said, for you to know and he said, no, not think or believe. For you to know everything is going to be all right, you have to believe that he is the son. That's a huge leap for anyone, but especially for a Jewish person. I'm not going to get into all the details, although I love talking about it. And if anybody wants to hear the story of, of, of what happened, I'd be happy to share that with you. But but I am on a time limit, and, and I want to use this time wisely. So I want to talk a little bit more about what God's done personally in my own life. But I will say this, is that I was used to striving to make the number. I was used to striving to be better than my peers. Hail to the stars, I wanted to be number one. I wanted to run with, with who I thought were the industry titans. I had a plan. And everything was falling into place. I had a good plan. And everything was going really, really well. And so you guys might have heard this before, but I live this. So I feel very confident saying this to you. Do so you guys know how to make God laugh? You tell him you have a plan. Because one day, tragedy was going to strike. And we've had some struggles in our life. I'm not going to say that my husband's life and with my family has been perfect because it's been far from that. But I had such a taste of success, I never really thought for a second that I would go from being the very competent, driven, so I thought, intelligent, capable person that I was to being a virtual beggar in but a moment. But it happened to me. Um, on August 12, 2007, my oldest son, I have two sons, they're awesome, one is 14 and one is 19, 
But my oldest son, who was 16 at the time, we have a place at Dewey Beach, and he did something that he had done, I'd say, easily 100,000 times before. He took a running start and took his six-foot-four body and did a flip into the ocean, and the wave broke on him and slammed him down into the shore. And my oldest son sustained um, a C4-5 spinal cord injury, and he's now quadriplegic. So we had gone from being on top of the world. Everything was great. What college is Nick going to go to? What college will Brendan go to? What new startup company am I going to be a part of? At the time, I had founded my own company with a couple of guys I had worked with at Oracle. I was so excited. I had the entrepreneurial spirit. And then, bam, in a moment, everything changed. And for those of you that know me, I've always worked. Even the times that I've decided to take off work for a little bit of time, everybody's laughed at me like, ha, she'll be back. Well, when Nick had his accident, Mike was working and still is working for Fannie Mae. And that's where all of our benefits and that's where all of our pay was from. When you're starting your own company, there are no benefits. There is no pay. And so I became Nick's full-time caregiver for a year and a half. So I went from a life where I had truly defined myself by what I did, by my accomplishments, and dare I say, even by my failures. I went from that to a world that I didn't know. All of a sudden, here's my son fighting for his life. We were in Delaware, so we spent two months in ICU, Mike and I sleeping out of a friend's van in the parking lot, taking showers at friends' houses, just to get Nick to a point where we could get him off of the respirator and get him into rehab for five months. Very, very humbling time. But I will say this, is it was at that moment when I realized that that's what that was all about. I got to establish a relationship with my Lord before all of the bad stuff happened. And I'm not saying that there's any good or a bad time. Find the Lord. It's always a good time. But I tell you, at my lowest of the low of the low, I never doubted for one second that God was with us. And a dear friend of mine who's actually here this morning, Paul Burden, found out about Nick's accident the very first day. So it was within 24 hours of the accident. Paul Burden left a message on my voicemail. And he said to me, Elisa, I, I don't know what to say when something like this happens. All I want you to know is that I'm praying for you. He goes, but this is what I want you to think about. It's from the book of James. And it was, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And I can't tell you how many times I said that over and over again. Am I righteous? I'm on my way. I'm a work in progress. But every morning, every afternoon, every evening, I got on my knees and I prayed for my son. I prayed that we would get out of ICU. I prayed that when the doctors said to us, it's an unrealistic expectation for you to think that your son can go back to school and graduate his senior year. When his principal came up to Delaware and said, Nick, do you want to graduate on time with your class? And Nick couldn't speak. He had a, a respirator. He says, yes. And he lifted up his hand just a little bit, and his principal, they did a little fist pump. And it was at that moment, I was like, God is going to take us 
where we need to go. God is going to take care of us. And we went from that moment where they said, it's an unrealistic expectation to hope that he will go back to school. I'm here to tell you, what is faith? How does the Bible define what faith is? It's very simple. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and absolutely certain about what you cannot see. And that is what I rested on. Because I couldn't see the future. I could barely see the past anymore. But I know, I knew then and I know now that God loves me. And we watched as my very first prayer for Nick was, please God, don't let him be lonely. And it was amazing. The school district, he went to Langley High School. Can't say enough nice things about Langley High School, but this whole Fairfax County area, everybody stepped up. There were fundraisers. There were basketball tournaments. There were kids that Nick didn't even know that were making T-shirts. We were seeing Team Nick T-shirts at Tyson's Corner on random people. And I'm watching as, as my Lord answered my prayer in front of my eyes. And life is so hard that I thought, if I can just rest in this day by day by day, I think I can do anything as long as it's within God's will. And I I am very proud to tell you that Nick is at Virginia Tech now. He's a freshman. He never, ever complains. He is a quadriplegic. You know, of course, um, he would pick the school that's the furthest away from our home, still in the state of Virginia, one of the biggest schools. And yet, he accepts every day as a joy and a challenge. And he'll tell you, I don't want to be defined as that paralyzed kid. It's like saying that's that kid with the bad acne or that kid that's too heavy. He goes, it's just one part of me. And that was another prayer answered, was that Nick would be able to continue to be Nick. And in fact, the blessings that have been showered on our family have been tremendous, tremendous. And it's because of God. And it's because we're all his hands and feet. So, so why should you guys care about this, right? Um, our pastor, Lon Solomon, he does this all the time, and I love it. It's, it's his so what moment. So what, Elisa? So, so you were in this industry, and you made a bunch of money, and you thought you were successful, and you made some friends, and you live a lifestyle that's good, and then, oh, something bad happened to you, so you had faith, and you got through it. What does that mean to me? Well, if anything you walk away with today, I want you to walk away with with the knowledge that this faith will get you through everything and that what I have, everybody can have. And you should care about this because each and every one of you in this room, I care about your salvation. And a lot of folks look at religion as just um, a way to deal with life as it is now. And that's not how I see it. I see my faith as a personal relationship with God who is so holy and so merciful and so strong through his son, Jesus Christ, who is my savior. And that's odd, being Jewish, but I'll tell you, I was bought mitzvah. I dare anybody to come up here and say I'm not Jewish. Now, my mom, she has a little few different things about it. My mom is here today. But God is very gracious 
And I don't know if I've reached the point in my life where I can say I can rejoice in suffering. Because that's what God wants us to do. Um, There's a a quote, and I'm not going to say it exactly perfectly. I should have had it right in front of me. But Albert Schweitzer once said, Christianity has been misinterpreted and people have been fooled throughout the years in thinking that Christianity is this way to one day achieve future blessings if you are to suffer enough right now on earth. But that's not what Christianity is all about. What Jesus Christ came to say is, blessed are you right now while you're suffering because I'm here with you. And if there's ever any doubt while you're dealing with the slings and arrows of life, look up and understand that the Lord wants you to seek him and he wants you to lean on him and he will be there. And the hardest thing I've learned through all of this is to take life one day at a time. I used to think that stress and trauma was not being on my number. I used to think that um, I was validated and made a better person or a more important person or a more valuable person based on how I ranked with my peers or whether I was able to beat someone else out in a deal. Now, I will say this. I love our business. I love the high-tech industry. And I went back into the business after my discipleship, after I found the Lord, because I wanted to help the government catch bad guys. And everybody that works with me knows this is true. This is my mantra. Let's go catch some bad guys. But I know that my work is God-ordained because I can look around this room and see so many people that believe, see so many people that seek, see the connections that everybody has. And that's what I urge you all to do is to look at life as if There is an eternity, because this isn't all there is. I tell you, two years ago when Nick had his accident, if I thought that that's all there was in life, I probably would have given up at that very moment. But instead, my friend Paul said, the prayers of a righteous woman are powerful and effective. And it brought me to my knees constantly. So how do you find peace through suffering? You find peace through suffering when you know that suffering is temporary. You find peace in suffering when you know that suffering is is but a moment. And our lives are but a vapor. And I can endure anything. I can endure not being on my number, although I don't want to. And I can endure that my son is a quadriplegic, although... I don't want to. But I know that I can get through this because, as it says in the Bible, I do not set my eyes on what is seen here today. I set my eyes on what is eternal because what is eternal lasts forever and what is here is merely temporary. And that's what allows me to go through the hell that life has. Winston Churchill once said, when you're going through hell, Keep going. (laughs) How do you keep going if you don't have a savior to 
carry you through. So I want to tell this one story before I close out, because I want you to understand just how very real all of this is. And, and I don't want you guys to think, oh, well, Nick's okay now, and everything's okay, and Elisa's got a job. And, and I, I do have a great job. I mean, I went from the entrepreneurial world to working for SaaS, which is a great company. It's the world's largest privately held software company. Um, great products. I can actually get up and feel very confident that our products do everything that I'm saying that they do, which is a delightful change of pace, really. Um, but that all isn't that important, although I will say I think that God did bring me to SAS because, and there are some people that are here from my team, because SAS is a company that says this isn't all there is. It's not as if there's this holy God, Dr. Goodnight, that stands up there and says, thou shalt enjoy your work or thou shalt not be stressed. But I will say that it's the first time I've worked for a company where you as a person matter just a little bit more than the software that you're selling. And that's nice. But this is the story that I wanted to tell you before I go. So as I said, Nick was in intensive care for two months on a respirator. We're up in Delaware, and then we did five months of rehab up in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins at KKI. But it must have been about the third week, maybe the fifth, let's say the fourth, that I went up to Nick, and um, I don't know how many of you all know the story, but I kept a blog and Nick kept a blog. My husband and I kept it for Nick. And then Nick picked up on it when he was able to. And we documented our entire journey and everything that happened to us. And it was amazing. It was definitely one of those things I called them God things. Right? It was a God thing. I mean, by the second week we had the site up, we had our 10,000th hit. And it was amazing. We realized People are reading this, and they're getting strength from our weakness. They're getting strength from us at our worst, worst moments. So I went to Nick, and let's say it's the fourth week, and he can't talk. And as you can tell, I love to talk. And my son is a lot like me. Both my sons are. So it was pretty rough for Nick, seven weeks without being able to speak. And so I said to him, I go, Nick, this blog thing is crazy. We've had so many hits. You know, first it started out the high school kids, then it was the parents, then it was virtual strangers. People were bringing us meals. People were coming up to Delaware that we didn't even know. And people were opening their Bibles. And people were saying things to me like, I want what she has. I want to be able to get through life the way she's doing it. And, and it was odd to me because I was crying all the time and I couldn't really see this pillar of strength other people seemed to see. But isn't that what's so wonderful about God is, is God projects what he wants you all to see from me. So I said to Nick, well, all these people have hit our website and, and people are, are thinking about the word and they're thinking about God. But Nick, only you can answer this question, but let me ask you this. If just one person comes to the Lord, gets saved as a result of your accident, if just one person accepts Christ, is it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth it giving up your ability to walk, run, play basketball, be a regular kid? 
which we found that he's still a regular kid. But without a pause, without any delay, he went like this. And he was 16 years old. And my son said for just one person to be saved as a result of his accident, it was worth it to him. So fast forward about nine months. And I was out with some friends from work, and we were at um, the Clyde's up at Tower Oaks. And um, I'm sitting with a, a, a girlfriend, and this old neighbor of mine, Colleen, comes running up to me and gives me this giant hug, and she's crying. I'm like, Colleen, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And she goes, I just wanted you to know, Elisa, that I've read your blog every single day since I found out about Nick's accident. And probably three months into it, I picked up my Bible. She was raised Mormon, um, married a Catholic. So she had spent some time going to Catholic church, but she was not a believer. She didn't believe really in anything. She goes, I picked up my Bible about the third month, and she's crying as she's telling me the story. We're in a bar. There's like a million people around, so it's so unlikely a place, you know? And she said, Elisa, I just want you to know that this Easter, uh, well, before that, she goes, I've been taking classes in the Catholic Church. I don't know what they call it when you're a grown-up. It's the CCD classes for grown-ups is what I call it. Um, She goes, I've been taking classes, and I've accepted Christ as my Lord, and I'm going to be baptized this Easter. And my heart, I felt like the Grinch. My heart grew two times that day. But I couldn't wait to get home to tell Nick and give him the fist pump. Nick, I found one. And if you find one, there's others. Do I think that we brought this person to Christ? Heck no. That's a God thing. God opens up your heart. But God led us to share, and share openly we did. And because of that, other people were touched. And that's what I'd like to see when we leave here, is that that you're moved not just to think, oh, that was interesting, or that was fun, or good for Elisa, she found God, and she can handle not making her number this quarter, but I am. (laughs) But rather, that I have a personal relationship with my Lord, And he's omniscient, omnipresent. He's everywhere. He can have a personal relationship with me and you and you and you and everybody out there. And once you get to know him and know his character, I can't tell you how liberating it is. It's not do's and don'ts. It's wills and cans. I will do this. I can do this. And so I'll close with this. Um... I don't know what God has in store for me or for my family or for Nick, Brendan, whether Nick will ever walk again. But I do know this, that God has the power to make my son walk again. God has the power to make me the greatest success I can be, if that is his will. God has the power to do everything that we ask of him. But just like Daniel's friends said when they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar, my God is so powerful. He can save me from this. My God is awesome. And he can make Nick walk again. But if he chooses not to, if it is not his will, 
I will still worship him and I will still love him because he is my God. And I love my husband, I do. And I love my children and I learned about unconditional love through them. But being loved unconditionally by God, that is the warmest, the safest, and the best place to rest. So yes, God has given us some tragedies. And yes, I pray to him that things will change. But as I said before, and I will say again, my God has the power to do all things. But what he chooses to do, I will accept because I love him and he loves me. And I pray that each and every one of you can have that kind of relationship with God because you will be a success at life and you will be a success in your family if you only allow God on your team. And as Jerry said, it's all teamwork, right? Imagine if you could have the greatest player, the greatest winner, the greatest champion guide you through this life. I have him. And I'd like you to have that too. So with that, I just close in saying, God is all powerful. I personally, Elisa, who's nobody special, although I did go to Virginia Tech, which is awesome. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can't stop me. I will proclaim, that's Acts 4.20. I could not help but to proclaim about what I've seen and heard. So I thank you all for listening to me and giving me the opportunity to proclaim about my God, for he is great and he will be great to you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Faith at Work. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm Carl Grant. Please follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Faith at Work Radio. And for more information on the High Tech Prayer Breakfast, please visit www.hightechprayerbreakfast.org. You have been listening to Faith at Work with Carl Grant. 